Homicide Life on the Street podcast. Uh, my name is Joe. I'm Daniel. And uh, we're with Season 1, Episode 6. And this was called <clears throat> A Dog and Pony Show, directed by Alan Taylor. The story was by Tom Fontana, and the teleplay was by James Yashimura. Brief synopsis, Gene must help an old friend get used to his retirement. And then in their first case, supposedly following the unsolved Adina Watson case, Bayless and Pendleton check out the death of a police dog. Howard and Felton track down a drug dealer. Crosetti continues to help Chris deal with his recovery. And Bolander meets Carol's son. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on in this episode. We were, we were talking about that, how like the last episode, Three Men and Adina, really focused just on the Adina Watson story. And, and de- nothing else. Yeah, they dedicated an entire episode to that. Uh, it seems like they really made up for that in this episode by just cramming as much storylines as they could. The, the, the scenes were so short before you even got acclimated to what was going on, the scene was like over. Some of them were like 90 seconds. Yeah. Incredible. I, yeah, there were definitely two with uh, Frank and Tim that were under a minute long. It Easy. was insane. Yeah, just like three lines of dialogue, which, uh, again, like this show has uh, short scenes always, but just in this one, it just seemed like, man, there was so much that they were zipping through. I actually, like, I wondered out loud as uh, when we finished watching it, if... Some of this wasn't meant for Three Men and Adina. If they were going to do, you know, address some of these other storylines. Um, but who knows? Uh, but they just went for it uh, this episode. So there's going to be a lot for us to talk about. Um, so the, I guess, the where's the first storyline? Where do you want to start off? let's start with G. Yeah. I, I, I got to tell you that overall... I didn't find the storyline compelling no. at all. Was right. it me? Or... Doesn't it seem like a homicide, like B-side? That yeah, they it, it really, and again, I, I don't even want to talk about it that much because I like Michael Constantine, the actor. Mm. He was in uh, Big Fat Greek Wedding. He was in a, um, a show w- way back when in the 60s called Room 227. He was the principal. Mm. But we don't know this guy I didn't find their dialogue particularly fascinating. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It didn't, honestly, it didn't do anything for me at all from start to finish. I didn't get it. Yeah. Now, maybe that's me, but I didn't get it. Yeah, I could have, like, easily done with, like, two and a half to three more minutes of Frank and Tim looking at that dead dog than, Agreed. than these yeah. guys. Because, like, yeah, what is relatable or interesting about their story? I mean, obviously, he, he was a good friend of his. G liked him, but I mean, other than, it's again, it just it went nowhere for me. So this one is it's a story that's also told, which is kind of unique for Homicide, in just three scenes, right? It's right in the beginning. Uh, they they talk, and he's um, um. Well, G's going out to meet with this guy at the party. Yes. You don't right. even see him. In the open. The open right, the in the open. Right. Which we were both like scratching our head at. Like, why is he, he's like going in there, like kind of like a bull out in a china shop, going after Tim and Frank and giving them a hard time about what they're right. doing. Right, for BS reasons, yeah. right. And then he finally meets Michael Constantine. Um, and that's and, that's their af- out after the party, right? They're back yeah, at, at Correct. 
At, yes. Not G, but the other... I don't remember his name on the show. Either. I forget. But Jimmy. It might have been Jimmy. We'll call him Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, so they're at Jimmy's apartment, and they're both trashed. And so he is... Here's where he's touching on interesting stuff, is he's talking about how Barnfather is, you know, college-educated, hasn't been on the streets, and doesn't really know, in his mind, you know, what it takes... That that was about the only interesting thing said. Yeah. Period. So I was gonna say, and so all right. Well, we see them there, and then do we come back to them? I feel like there's one other. Well, you have the last scene at the very end. At the very end, which is right. so weird. That is such a strange scene for this show. Uh, yeah. But it's so much. So so much happens in between. I wonder if that storyline. Rather than cutting it completely, isn't more interesting if they threw in two or three more scenes or whatever. And kind of expanded on the stuff that they were already touching on. Because it feels like the last scene is almost like a cop-out. Where it, like, you know, they write something that really doesn't even feel like in the tone of this show. Like, I've never seen anyone get really, like, waxing poetic. Yeah. Um, Philosophically. And, yeah, and um, nostalgic, you know, for stuff. It, it, it was weird. Now, the only thing, and again, maybe I'm stretching this, but they did show the scene. The last scene was of the two cops on horses. And if you remember what Frank uh, Frank and um, Bayless are told, any animal even involved in police work, if they get killed, is treated like a homicide. So I just saw a parallel maybe between the dog and the horses. Maybe I'm stretching it. Yeah, all right. Both working for the police. But again, a totally, to me, uninteresting. Yeah. And I love G to death. And it was just like, what? Yeah, so there's, there's another thing about that last scene that was so strange to me, which is it was underscored with music. And usually the music that you hear on Homicide, I feel, and maybe just because I've never noticed it didn't stand out as awkwardly as such a weird flavor on a scene, but usually it's music that's occurring in the scene. Like someone is listening to a boombox, or they're in the car and the radio's on. Or they're at the bar and singing. Well, it's like in The Wire, David Simon, uh, except for the um, last penultimate episode, there was never any music unless it was natural to the scene. Right. And there's a word for that. Uh, listeners, uh, send us your angry email. It's like diogenic or something like that. I don't Di- even know. I, I remember it from somewhere that it's music that ha- naturally occurs within the story versus music that is kind of like... And you're right. And there was odd music. It was like music from another It was like Godfather drama. music. Yeah. Like Italian-esque. Um, but like also kind of like, again, nostalgic. And, and again, with, with Nashimura being involved in the episode I'm really surprised that the dialogue was so weak yeah it, very surprising you know maybe yeah you know who knows where this decision came excuse from excuse me Yashimura not Nashimura excuse me <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's weird uh, you know you, you don't always know where these stories come from and where these you know elements like I would say kind of similar to that maybe this is a nice transition to one of the other storylines but the conversation towards the end of the episode between Kay and Bo kind of felt like off for the show like it didn't feel like it was a natural extension of their relationship that we've seen so far yeah for her to inquire whether or not he thinks she's attractive 
out of character. But let's let, let's right, right. let's stay that. If if we're done, hopefully with 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 G. So the next scene, I think, was um, the police dog shooting, right? Which which was played for laughs, and then ended kind of very emotional. Yeah. Which which only homicide has a way of doing. But some of the great lines from um, Tim was he says, "Did he have any enemies?" Yeah. The dog. <laughs> Did he pee on anyone's leg? I mean, it was really, it was fun. And you can tell Frank is going to take it seriously from the get-go, where yeah. Tim thinks it's a big joke. So there's also a point in this episode where I you can see on the board that Bayless only has the name Watson under his name. Oh, I didn't even notice didn't that. did he pick up the phone? Doesn't yeah, he, he make did. In, in one yeah. episode? Yeah. So they they had him pick up a case that never followed through or something. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't a homicide. uh, Listeners, again, email us if we miss something. But I I feel like, yeah, there's... a good point. Something happens in between. But what struck me is that Tim, right out the gate, why did you take this call, Frank? Like, you know, we talk about the dynamics of that relationship and how, like, Frank is really starting to turn a corner in regards to Tim. Like, Tim is, like, talking like a seasoned veteran now. Good point. Rather yeah. than, you know, yeah. being like, hey, dude, you've had one chance to knock it out of the park, and you screwed up. Like, maybe you should stick to dog cases, you know? Like, yeah, but he, because he's really tossing it back at Frank in the beginning there. And again, like you're, like you're saying, like, the laughs that are coming from him are really, like, him not treating this case. Seriously yeah, at all. right. I'll tell you, but when, but the next scene... When they determine that the dog is poisoned, then I saw Tim start to change a little bit. Yeah. He's like, oh, he was poisoned. So he was murdered. And I saw that he toned down the 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 comedy a bit, only to have it turned up when they're in the car talking about the dogs they had, yeah. which was hysterical. Yeah. And that's the thing that Homicide, I think one of the many things, I feel like I say this every episode, but one of the many things that the show does so well, where it's like, I've had that conversation about, you know, dogs and dog names and dog types. Um, I have never quite said that everything from New York is a piranha with a bad haircut, <laughs> yeah. but I love that too. Um, but yeah, it just, it, you know, those that stuff feels like so familiar and, you know, it just humanizes these characters so much. Yeah, it's interesting that once... They decide that it's a murder. He starts getting involved, and I wonder too if it's not like not for any sense of justice, but just because who would want to kill a dog, right? right. Like, don't you kind of? Yeah. It's like interesting just to see where it would. And go. I, I, I thought it was interesting how quickly they got the gal at animal control to admit that she did it. I mean, Frank didn't have to do his usual grilling. She right. It was like right away. It was like yep. It was a mistake. I did it. Help me feed them, but do what you got to do. Right. So they kind of put that case down easy. So she did it accidentally. Accidentally. She took the dog in and then... I believe so. Mm. Right. By mistake. How she could have done that makes no sense, but... Right. Yeah, let's not focus on the logic right, of right. it. Um, there's a point in... And it's the, the second scene that we visit with Frank and Bayless in this episode. So it's within the first, like, ten minutes where the two of them are getting into the car and they're just sort of yelling over each other about the case, like, why are we doing this and why, you know, why are we treating it like whatever? 
And I just wrote down, it's just fun to watch these two act. Like, Andre Brower and Kyle Secor are just, like, so good in these roles. And it just, like, the way that that was, like, uh, that scene was directed, too, so great direction, but... You know, where they're ducking their heads into the car. They're kind of out. almost getting in, almost getting out. Almost getting in, almost getting out. Yeah. And, and continuing the dialogue. And I think you could do that with just them in the car driving somewhere. But it be wouldn't have been as good. Exactly, exactly. And just how natural they are and how fast and... Yeah, they're, I mean, their chemistry as actors is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's really good. Yeah, so great. Um... Well, I, I I think the next scene with the dog is when the officer whose dog it was has the ashes on the boat, and um, they talk a little a little bit about it, and you can see that Bayless is upset. Yeah. And Frank, I thought very nicely, says, "Are you thinking about your dog?" And what does he say? No, he's thinking about Adina. Which which really made me feel. I mean, I felt bad. Yeah. I'm like, right. Wow. Yeah. He cannot get this out of his head. Yeah. Did because that's he asked, did the dog like kids? Right. And he's and that's where. That's right. Yeah. And then Frank says, "Yeah, life would be perfect if it was only kids and dogs." Yeah. Right. How great. And that was a really that was a that was a good scene because again. It had nothing to do with the dog. You know, the writer set it all up so you could see Tim's mindset. Right. That's why they had the scene. Yeah. And it's that's why Homicide's so great. It's never really about the dog or the murder. Right. It's always about something else that that brings out. Yeah. Yeah, right. That, and that whole story is kind of like doled out piecemeal to like wallop you at the end. And like you said, yeah, that it starts with just this like silliness to it but then becomes such a you know poignant thing at the end and, and it can't get more poignant than when he says no I'm thinking of Adina Watson yeah right. it's just like a gut punch yeah because you don't expect him to say that yeah especially his attitude throughout the episode right but yeah yeah what a great uh, great story and again just the, the two of them like they're right with their characters yeah they're awesome yeah um well, I think Kay and Bo are next. Yeah. Uh, when they, when they, when Kay first uh, takes a fit, kind of on the uh, uniform cop. Yeah. Calls them secretaries with guns, and I've never seen Kay so like angry and mean ever. Yeah. Right. Ever. She's always a nice person. Yeah. She's definitely fed up in this episode a couple times. She a couple times where she like definitely. Goes beyond uh, her threshold. Um, yeah. So. Uh, but you know what struck me too? In the next scene, I forget what the dialogue was, but her and Bo are very lighthearted. They go inside and the daughter sees her mother and sobs. And again, they went from kind of comedy to real sadness. A girl saying, Mommy, Mommy. In one second. Yeah, right. And it's just like, man, they just ripped your emotions apart this show. Yeah, right. Well, and I guess you couldn't have one without the other. You know what I mean? Like, the show wouldn't function as well without the comedy. It wouldn't function uh, just as a comedy. Um, but this was this is another one. I actually wrote down the words this for this storyline. 
Uh, and it's something that Homicide... Another thing that Homicide does so well. This show is so good, someone should do a podcast about it. <laughs> yeah, they should. Uh, but the, the, uh, there are, in this storyline, two or three what I'll call one-episode wonders, where you just get these characters that are here for just one episode that knock it out of the park. This character, Pony... Like, I loved... He was in one scene. He was awesome. He was so good. He was, like, so perfect and, like... He flirts with Kay. Sleazy, yeah. Right. He yeah. was sleazy. He was cool. He was everything. Yeah. I And I was like, how do you, like... <laughs> just to churn through talent like that and be like, this guy is never going to come back on this show. I don't think. Um, but he was, he was fantastic. And then, uh, of course, the... Is it William... I have the name written down here. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, William Lynette. Uh, Lynette. D'Angelo yeah. Barksdale. Yes. From The Wire. Yeah. Who, again, he does a terrific job in that scene. And that's like, you know, you figure, like you were saying, like the emotional roller coaster of this episode, the silly and the gut-wrenching and the, I mean, it's it changes on a dime. And then it has like a really great box scene at the end that caps off this, uh, and I don't know if I'm jumping it too far ahead. But no, it's okay. Kane Felton storyline. You're okay. But, um... We, 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 there's one thing we have to discuss, but finish that since you started with that last scene. Yeah, um... So, uh... She, like, loses her mind. And I guess, asking each other there, like, what exactly happened? So he didn't shoot anyone. I, I believe it. He just... He, he, you know, he probably heard his mother getting shot and didn't do anything about it. But well, and being tortured first. And being tortured, right. And Kay... And you can see Bo is. It looks at Kay like, "What is wrong with you?" I mean, she really goes after him. Yeah. And again, he's not the murderer, but yeah, he's an idiot to hear his mother being tortured and killed and doesn't do anything. Right. But I mean, she really goes after. Cries. And then they turn. They change the the name on the board. Yes, they do. So it's soft. So uh, his confession is enough to pin it on. On Pony, Pony. Guess, theoretically. Um, why does she lose it like that? Where does that come from? It's almost to me like she's been angry the whole episode. So let's go back. I don't know if there's anything to do with it. I don't. But how about this big conversation with Kay and Bo about his wife being jealous of Kay? Right. And do you find me attractive? What was, what was that all about I don't know that and that that's what I was you know I said earlier like it felt like off game it felt like not what this show does and it seems to me like um, without giving too much away about future seasons you know maybe that the networks starting to step in at some point and say hey we need to add some kind of romantic hmm. flair I, I, you know you know was I, Kay the way she dresses her makeup she, I always thought, never wants to be seen as attractive. She wants to fit in as one of the guys. She always wears pants. Yeah. She, 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 she's a very pretty woman in real life, the actress, but she tones it down. And for her to pursue that with Bo, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of with you. It didn't ring true. He yeah. said, look, we have an understanding as partners. I... I can't go there with you, period. Even if I want to, 
it can't be a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't. I, I don't. I don't know about that. Maybe yeah. we're going to find out more in another episode. Not. I'm not saying that we know. <laughs> I. I hope we do. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, she. Yeah. I and I agree. I think that's um, uh, something that's a, probably a deliberate move on the you know, the show to portray what it must be like to be a female homicide detective. Like, you're in a, you know, a boys' club. A man's world. Yeah, and you have to, like, uh, sort of, like, assimilate or kind of, like, lie low uh, in your femininity. And and if she's doing that as a way to get ahead uh, at her job, like, you know, I mean, that's miserable. That's not good. But I can't imagine that I that conversation happening between them just... It doesn't seem like a logical conclusion from anything that's happened so far. Yeah, I'm, I, I have to agree. And knowing that this show at some point started getting notes from the network that they incorporated, or if that's maybe starting it's, to It's a possibility. Right. Maybe one day we'll have a guest who can tell us. Yeah, right? That, that would be great. So if you're listening... And you know the answer to that question. you know the answer, <laughs> give, give us an email. We'll give you the email address at the end. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about um, Chris... The shot cop and his wife in Crosetti. Yeah. Really, I'll say it, and you can tell me if I'm totally wrong or off base, really just marking time with this. Like, I feel like the 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 steps forward that we're making with this are half steps. Yeah, I didn't... I, I, and again, I, I, I don't want to knock that whole... all those scenes again, but I didn't find them particularly compelling. I am struck by Crosetti's um, love for this person, his caring. I, I like seeing that. But but again, I wasn't I don't know, I wasn't touched. Even when she said she was pregnant, I'm like, yeah, ho hum. Like, I don't know. It didn't yeah. It didn't resonate with me. Yeah. And and again, you're saying the same thing, right? It yeah. didn't touch you. Well you know what I think it um Nothing that has happened, nothing that happens in this episode with this storyline feels as profound or interesting as when they're listening to the jazz together. Do you know what I mean? So, like, that story, like, really does kind of, like, hit its peak moment for me. Yeah. That now, you know, it feels like we're just kind of, like, going Re- back. Rehashing. And, yeah. You know? And so I I wonder, too, in this, I, I, I should... Say, I don't make television shows, so I don't know how any of this stuff works. But you don't see Crosetti in the precinct at all. No. Right? So if no. he's... And Meldrick Lewis, you see a little bit. On his own. And he says he's going to, you know, take these calls. So, like, maybe this is, like, a... Is it a scheduling thing where they were, like, we have to... Don't know. Yeah, but it seems... But, it's, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. They were marking time, not compelling. I mean, we're talking about a great television show so our standards that you and i have for homicide are high yeah are high right. i mean there's something right. that's not quite at the zenith yeah. that we expect it it's easy to point out you're just like eh, that didn't go anywhere yeah yeah and i wonder too if um you know like the stories are never as interesting on this show as the characters are and so we're really just following story arc with this, you know, like it, like the cases, I guess, aren't as interesting as watching, you know, Tim Bayless and Frank Pembleton interact, or even seeing Meldrick Lewis and Corsetti. Uh, That's right. Interact. That's right. So maybe once you remove that element, you know, we're really left with something that feels like a melodrama rather than, you know, 
cops being cops. Um, but let's talk about something I thought that I did find interesting, which is Munch and Bolander <laughs> with with Danny. Yeah. All right. So you talk, talk about this because I have very specific opinions on this. Well, it's I I I thought and 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 by the way, I, I have to make sure I. I Remind me to talk about the comment you made when he finally sees Dr. Bly. Mm -hmm. But you knew right away it wasn't going to go well. Because why would they do this so it made no sense right. that he wants to do it? Why would Bly let this happen? And the, the Munch, by the way, is having the greatest time the whole time watching this kid screw with his partner yeah. in ways that he can't. So that, it was very... It was played for laughs for the most part. Yeah. But I thought the funniest scene was at the end, and this is what you pointed out. He goes to see Dr. Bly. She doesn't <laughs> mince words. She's like, you don't like my kid yeah, right I'm away. I'm sorry you I'm don't sorry. like Danny. <laughs> and, and he doesn't say, and he goes, your kid's insane. Yeah, he's like, got there's a screw loose. So I don't know what the purpose was of that whole encounter, but it was funny yeah um and and it was great watching bolander like at first kind of be nice to the kid and then at the end just like we'll screw it and he he got to screw loose this kid is whacked out yeah he's gonna stop trying um yeah so that's uh how long do you think bolander and Blythe have been involved at this point in the show in show days it hasn't been that long Right. Like, could it be like a month? Yeah, even? let's say a month. So even after a month, I, I don't have the life experience to say this for certain, but like, wouldn't Blythe be hesitant to even go to dinner with her son and her month-old new relationship? Like, doesn't that seem like even a bold move? Yeah, and, and again, she must know her son is odd. Yeah, right. Come on, yeah. it's not like he just started to be odd. The kid is weird. Yeah, um... Uh, the other thing that about that, so like all right you know it's a TV show and so we'll, I'll we'll give them that that like they need to create something funny and strange a strange situation to happen and what more stranger than having a teenager drive around with these homicide detectives and of course the teenager is going to be screwy because like that's going to make it fun and, and by the way he says it's going to be fresh and in one of the funniest lines. <laughs> uh, Munch says, Bolander says to Munch, what does that mean? And he says, it's going to be Nido Keen. Yeah, Nido Keen. Which was great. Um, well, and that's that brings up exactly the point I was going to make, which is that I think this storyline is obnoxious without Munch. If it was just Bolander and Danny trying to like interact or trying to meet on the level, but that Munch is like allowing it, observing it, and coaxing Danny along, you know, like really makes it, I think, is what puts this story over. Otherwise, it's just, I think it's a frustrating story to watch because at this point, there's so much that is unbelievable about about it that Munch kind of adds like a grounding element. Yeah, you're right. Munch, Munch made it great. And by the way, there's another thing they asked Danny what he wants to be. And he goes, either a drummer or the secretary of the interior, yeah. which was just awesome. Yeah. That is that is great, um, and yeah, and he wants to hold his gun. That's like the first thing he asks is like, "Can I hold your gun?" And, and, and again, it's just that the tone that this kid is got yeah, problems. And, yeah, and, and 
Uh, he just laughed it off and Munch tells him, no, give him your gun. Let him hold it. All right, that brings us to... Is there anything more on uh, on Bolander and... No, I just put... In my notes, I just said how Munch just loves the conversation. He... One question is funnier than the next to him, and he is just loving it. Yeah. All right. So what does that bring us to? Is that it? That's it. That, yeah, that's. You pretty... know what? You know what struck me? Just over. What was there a theme to this episode in your mind, or not really? Or was there? So that's and this is going to be that like again. I I have to imagine that if I'm just listening to this podcast, this is annoying for me to hear, but because it's pure speculation, I wonder if elements of this was intended for another episode and just got crammed together. Um, like, to get those cops on horseback is like a set piece that I'm sure takes some logistics to do. And to just kind of, like, throw it in there like that. Also, the dog. Like, I'm sure that was an expensive property to get. A 30-second scene when they're in the morgue with the dog. So it just seemed like so much of this was maybe, like, cut down or really condensed. Yeah, it could be. But, um... And that's why I don't think it had much of a theme. No. It was just disparate things that happened and and again, some things that were not very compelling. Um, I mean, I hate to say this, but to me, it's the weakest episode yeah. we've seen by far. Right. I mean, all the other episodes, I've been like, wow, they, they were really good. This episode was like, don't get me wrong. It's homicide. It's right. good. Right. But for homicide, it wasn't great. Yeah, and especially compared to the episodes that we've had so far, like season one is so unique, and you can tell that they really have like, like they are hitting a note that they want to hit. And I feel like this is the one that really feels like a homicidey episode, where it's like they're kind of going through the motions. They they hit on a lot of the stuff that makes the show great. Um, but, it, yeah, it just kind of feels, like, scattered more than, you know, story arcs that are... I, I would agree. And really, when you think about it, what have they set up for the future? I mean, okay, you can talk about Chris, Chris's wife having the baby. You know, the, the, the police dog is dead. Dr. Bly's son ain't coming back. They wrapped up the other murders. They didn't set, except for Adina Watson... Nothing to be carried forward. Right. No emotions, no story arcs. It's yeah. like Yeah, if you took over. this season or this episode out of this season, the only thing would be that um it's Ava, is Edie Falco's character is pregnant. That's the only like interesting thing. And even then It didn't so. do anything for me. Yeah. Yeah, so let's see. So the the canine dog, um, the Ida May Keen and the William Lavette William Lavette Lynette uh, murders um and then Bo and alright that is Bo and Kay's case Persetti and Edie Falco and Bolander and Munch so Bolander and Munch and Tim and Frank I guess are are both kind of like jokey plot lines and I 
I feel They're like not serious. Yeah, I feel like that might have been overrepresented in this episode. Whereas in other ones, it might just be like one kind of funny storyline thrown in there. Um, and again, maybe to your point, the network said you got to lighten up. That three men and the Dina was a very heavy right. episode. We need something more lighthearted. We don't. Right. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that could be because uh, you know the last episode was so unlike the previous episodes in that it was all plot. That this story maybe being a little light on plot uh, balances that out, could or, be. or they had you know again they had the storyline somewhere and had to could you know, be. Um, yeah, so you know, not my favorite uh, episode of Homicide. Definitely not the strongest that we've seen so far, um, but still some really memorable, cool stuff in it. Some um, funny stuff, good, just not up to the... How uh, would you make the story with G and that retired Jimmy, who we're calling Jimmy, uh, how would you make that interesting? Like, what to me, would there, there should have been a secret or something that they revealed that we didn't know that they shared, where they covered for each other or something, but... It was like, why does G like this guy? I don't know. So why should I care about him? So let me ask this. Did you think about that already? Because that's a really great answer to that question. No. Or you just came up no, with I that? I just came up with that. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, because I'm trying to think like how I would improve upon that. And I I think that's that's a great, uh, great answer. It would have made it interesting. You would have been like, wow, no wonder they have such a connection because... He knows something about G that we didn't know that's very damning. Or yeah. something to that effect. Right. But there was nothing. There was nothing. Yeah, which is almost like unbelievable. Like you kind of want to hope that there was more there. And that, again, maybe it just got We'll, we'll never know it. We'll never know it. But I feel like that is kind of an element that's always carried through with G. Which is that like he is this like old school... You know, struggling to adapt in a new school world. You know, of course, there's the power struggle with him and his superiors that kind of like exists throughout. And I guess they, you know, they do touch on that a little bit. You know what I just thought of, by the way? There's a little foreshadowing of Tim's remark. In the opening scene, when G is yelling at them, he says to um, Bayless, What are you doing with something to do with the Adina Watson case? He goes, what does that have to do with what you're working on? So we know that Tim is still obsessed with the Adina Watson case because he's looking at something right, right there. The and G has told him, move on, yeah. and he hasn't. So it's not a big shock at the end when he's reminded of Adina Watson. Yeah, it, it, it is clearly, it's on his mind all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe, yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, some kind of connection. I'm thinking again of, of G's uh, storyline, but yeah, some kind of connection to what's happening now, some kind of parallel, like what was there, a Dina Watson case. Yeah, and, and there was nothing. Again, just not well written. Yeah. Not compelling. Yeah. Well, all right, well, this is. We're we're pretty light. This is going to be a quick episode, really. But we'll go to. Uh, I mean, you know, there wasn't a lot of. I think it speaks to the quality of the show. I hate to say, yeah, it. yeah right. 
Joe, how do people contact us? So you can email at us uh, from red to black pod, P-O-D at gmail.com. Um, and I guess that's the best way now. Right. We might have other yeah, methods we might have moving other, forward. Yeah, we're, we're filming, we're recording this, <laughs> filming this uh, early before we've set those up. So uh, stay tuned. And, well, let me let me ask you this. Who, who wins, who loses? Oh, boy. You know, I would just say to me that G just turns out to be a loser, in my opinion, because of the lame storyline <laughs> yeah. they give him. Yeah. I mean, here we love G, and besides him yelling at them, which I liked in the beginning, it's like, what a waste of you his know, the, lines. These, like, Dave uh, Simon, David Simon, and Tom Fontana police shows, one of my favorite, like, uh, um mythological takeaways is that like if you ever see a guy or two or a group of guys on the street drinking out of brown paper bags they're probably cops (laughs) that's right that's like one of their favorite places to go to um all right so g as a loser who's a winner in this one wow i might say frank yeah, Only because he totally. he followed through with the dog yes took it seriously and it's a good thing he did because it was serious. Yeah. And he he never mocked it the whole way. He And Frank can be extremely sarcastic, and he never went there. Yeah. Yeah, that's... To, my total winner is Frank, because he he has no right getting that case. And how about a loser? Uh, a loser? Yeah, the police who own the dog. That guy, just, he seemed really bummed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Frank... Yeah, Frank should never... That is, they should. It's way Tim, them. Tim is right to be annoyed that they're even out doing it, but then of course Frank uh, closes it. Well, anyway, so that's uh, that's our episode. Uh, send us an email uh, from red to black pod at gmail uh, with any questions, comments. Make sure to rate us on whatever website you can rate us on. High ratings, please. You can rate us on iTunes, of yeah. course. You can rate us. You can put comments, and please subscribe if you like it. Subscribe. We'll be here uh, every week. Yep. And I guess we can say that Dog and Pony Show, Season 1, Episode 6, we can turn from red to black. Thanks so much.